Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Hallelujah to God. Y'all's music is awesome here. Thank you so much for that. And I, uh, I about got Baptocostal a little bit there. Amen. That's all right. That's all right. But I appreciate y'all's music. Please don't ever change your music. Don't ever change it. 
It's, uh, it's right just how it is. It's fine. It, God's in it, and uh, I like it. And thank God so much for that. I like a good message and song before I preach. It helps calm my nerves. Preaching makes me nervous. Amen. They, said, they say that uh, when you're born, that's when the human brain somehow, somewhere along the way, that's when the human brain begins early in life. and uh, probably works before you're born, I'm sure. But they say when, when, early in life, your human brain begins working, but it never stops working until you get up and try to preach a message. Amen. And so it's, a, it's one of those things, but man, it makes you nervous and you get thinking of what in the world and you have to look at God's people and God's people are scary looking sometimes. Amen. And uh, listen, I, if I, I could transition very easily into a prison ministry after preaching some of the churches I've been in after a while. Amen. It's nothing, no look intimidates me anymore. Amen. And uh, some, some of God's women scared me to death through the year, just staring a hole through me. And uh, amen. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and appreciate this good church, what God's doing here through this ministry. And um, I've been praying this afternoon, asking God what His will would be for the service. Uh, this is His ministry. This is His, uh, His missions conference. And I want to just be yielded. I, I, I have no agenda. i just here to do what, whatever God wanted me to do. And, uh, and so I've just been praying and asking God to help me and lead my mind and help me to do uh, what He would have me to do. And uh, God has led me to go to Luke chapter 10 tonight. And if you'll go there with me and uh, stand with me for a moment, we're going to read a passage of Scripture or two. If you're able to, if not, that's fine. We'll just, uh, we'll just try to read a passage or two here and uh, try to... Uh, try to see what God is saying in Luke chapter number 10. This passage of scripture has blessed me and helped me and I want to uh, preach it to you tonight. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 30, and Jesus answering a certain, uh, Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. Boy, that's a rough place to be. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee." This is one of the great stories and parables in all the Bible of the Good Samaritan. And I want to just show you in verse 34, it says, uh, it talks about it. He brought him to an end. Brought him to an end. And I want to speak tonight on the subject of God's end. God's end. Amen. And we'll ask God to help us here at this time. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, I love you and thank you so much for uh, saving me. Thank you so much for calling me. Lord, thank you for this wonderful life that you've let me live. 
Lord, I've had so much fun and I've been so blessed along the journey uh, to just be a preacher and share with the world what God has done for me and through me and in me. And Lord, tonight I stand here behind this pulpit and many times I stand here preaching and I, I feel so inadequate and so unable and so incapable. But God, I know that tonight is no different. I know that uh, without you and without the Spirit of the Holy One coming down, all is vain. And Lord, I pray tonight as we try to preach on this subject, uh, Lord, that uh, you would illuminate our minds and illuminate truth from all the pages of God's Word and challenge us and change us and conform us to the image uh, of your Son and help us to be more like you, Jesus, tonight. Lord, I know, and I, I want to pray tonight like Jonathan Edwards prayed. Lord, I know I'll be like you someday, but Lord, I want to be like you now when I can do the most good. And Lord, I want to pray the power of the Spirit of God upon my life. Please touch me. Please anoint me. Please give me abilities beyond my own, beyond my natural abilities. Give us grace and help us in this time of need. And Lord, I pray as I preach, help my mind to think clearly, help my mouth to speak clearly. We pray for a good delivery of truth. And Lord God, I pray as we give an invitation in a little while that people would be flooding the altars, wanting to get in on what God is doing here in this world. And we'll love you and we'll thank you for all that you do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated today. I believe there's so many beautiful pictures in the story of the Good Samaritan, of, of New Testament salvation. I want to go through a couple of them with you here for just a moment. Uh, it says there that uh, the man went down from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. The Bible says, and he fell. Uh, can I tell you that mankind is a fallen creature. He fell in the Garden of Eden. And God wanted to fellowship with man, but mankind fell. And by the way, God's plan has been trying to get man back ever since then. He says he fell. <clears throat> and it also says there... He fell among thieves. Can I tell you that thief there is a picture of Satan. Satan is a thief. He is a liar. He's a cheat. He's a stealer. He's a destroyer. He's a lion walking about uh, seeking whom he may devour. He'll ruin your life. Amen. And uh, he's a picture of the thief there. And the Bible says that they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Uh, can I tell you that uh, that's a beautiful picture there, an accurate picture, if you will, of a lost man in his lost condition. The Bible Bible says he's half dead. Uh, the Calvinists will preach something called total depravity that a man so lost he could not even choose God unless, and, and he talks about that, but, but can I tell you, the Bible says he was half dead, meaning that his free will was still alive today. And can I tell you, that's what the world will do to you. If you go into the world, the, the world will wound you, the world will use you, and they will leave you half dead. And that's where I was before Jesus came by my way. Amen. The Bible says in verse 31, then by chance there came down a certain priest. That priest is a picture of the world's religions. Can I tell you today that the world's religions cannot help a man get back on his feet and religion is not what a man needs today. Someone told me, said, Spencer, you're a religious man. What are you doing preaching against religion? I'm not a religious man. I'm the least religious person you've ever met. I don't have a religion. I have a relationship with the Son of God. That's what I have today. And uh, it says there that the priest came and went by and the priest didn't even want to help him. Amen. 
And so the religions of this world can't help. And then also it says that there was a Levite that came by. And that Levite, I believe, is a picture of the law. Trying to, trying to do everything and please God in your own good works. And can I tell you, that'll never work. Uh, man, you cannot, you cannot help yourself by just willing yourself out of trouble or, or using self-discipline or whatever. You just can't do it. The law can never help. But the Bible says in verse 33, a certain Samaritan. You can write down Jesus right there. Amen. The Bible says that Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. Can I tell you today, the day that I got saved, I was not looking for God, but God was a looking for me. Amen. When I could not get to heaven, heaven came down to me and came by my way. Amen. Look what it says there. Came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Amen. Can I tell you, when nobody else cared, Jesus cared. When nobody else was seeking for me, Jesus was seeking for me. And the Bible says, and he went to him, hallelujah, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast. I believe that beast right there is a picture of the grace of God. Amen. How am I going to get to the end? The end, he's going to get there by the grace of God. And he says, he brought him to an end. And I believe the end is a picture of the local New Testament church. I believe that today. Let me show you why. Look what it says also in the next verse. He says, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out, look what it says there. It says two pence. I believe that two pence is a picture of the Old Testament and New Testament. I got two pence right here. Glory to God. Amen. And I gave him two pence and gave him to the host. I believe that host is a picture of the New Testament pastor. By the way, it's, it's, it's not some board or whatever, some denominational headquarters. It's the local pastor. Amen. I believe that. And so I believe this inn, if you will, is a picture of, uh, of the church. And can I say when the good Samaritan came and helped this man, he took him and put him in the inn. And you can tell that this man had been helped by the good Samaritan because he went from the road and he was put in a room in the inn. And can I tell you today, you can identify that those that Jesus has helped because Jesus, when he helps a man, he takes him off the street and he puts him in a seat in the house of God. Hallelujah to God. I'm here today because Jesus passed by my way and because Jesus changed my life and because Jesus did something inside of me. I'm here today because of that. Hallelujah. And can I tell you, before I got saved, I, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want nothing to do with church. I thought church was for nerds. I thought church was for losers and weirdos. Uh, but when Jesus did work in my heart, he placed me in the end. Hallelujah. We got a lot of people today that are talking about how good Christians they are and how I love the Lord just like you do. I just don't go to church. I don't know about them. They must not have got what I got. But when I got Jesus, when Jesus changed my life, I had a desire to go to the local New Testament church. And that became my family, if you will. I was adopted into the family of God. And that was my people, praise God. Listen, hey, you may not like me, but you stuck with me for all eternity because you and I are family now. Hallelujah. Amen. So let me say a few things about this in real quick, and I'm going to preach for about uh, 45 minutes and then get, read a poem and give a tap dance and an invitation. That'll be good. That's what Baptist preachers do. But let me just say a few things about this in real fast. Some of y'all are looking forward to that tap dance, aren't you? Amen. Brother Kavanaugh is going to give the tap dance tonight. That'll be fine. There's, there's a good floor up here for a tap dance. That'd be fine. We can do that. Anyway, but I believe this in, number one, let me say a few things about the in. 
The end, number one, was a place of restoration. It was a place of restoration. Uh, the Bible says that he, in verse number 30, it says that he stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. But verse 34 says this, he went to him and then he bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him into the inn and took care of him. Uh, can I tell you that this This man could not fix himself. He couldn't fix himself. He was half dead on the side of the road. And if somebody had not come by and helped this man, he would have died right there on the side of the road. He couldn't fix himself. And he needed somebody to come fix him for him. And can I tell you today, before I got saved, I couldn't fix myself. I was a troubled teenager. I was messed up. I mean, my mind was messed up. My life was messed up and I couldn't fix myself but Jesus came by and he put me in the local inn and bound up my wounds and he changed my life. I'm going to tell you something the New Testament church is a place of restoration hallelujah to God I believe today, and you may disagree, but I'm going to say this to you. I believe today that the church is the greatest rehab clinic in the world. I believe that. I believe that a man out there who's messed up can get fixed in here. I believe that today. I believe it because I've seen it. I believe that the church is the best drug prevention program in the world. I believe that the church is the best marriage and couples therapy in the world. I believe that the, the church is the best behavior modifier in the world. I believe that the church is the best scared straight program in the world. I believe the church is the best alcoholic prevention program in the world. I believe the church is the greatest crime prevention program in the world. I'm telling you today that the church is a place of restoration. Hallelujah to God. I believe today that people don't need counseling as much as they need a church. I believe that people don't need a pill as much as they need a pulpit. I believe today that people don't need rehab nearly as much as they need to be rebuked inside of a church. I believe today that people don't necessarily always need behavior therapy. What they need is Bible teaching. I believe today that people don't always need a government program. What they need is God's program. And God's program is the local New Testament church, my dear friend. I was out in Arizona preaching and uh, it's really hot in Arizona. I learned something about Phoenix, Arizona when I was out there. I learned that Phoenix, Arizona is only five miles from the surface of the sun. That place is hot. I mean, listen, that was the closest purgatory I'll ever be in my life. Amen. That place is wicked hot. And, uh, and I went out there and I preached in a church that was, that was there. And man, he had, uh, he had, uh, the pastor that was there had a bunch of Indian folks coming in there. And these people, they, man, they were messed up morally, messed up physically, messed up emotionally. And he'd been trying to help them, trying to get them to come to church. And I got up there and I preached and I said, can I tell you today that, that, that listen, people are out there saying that uh, we're messed up people. We're a messed up bunch. We need casinos. We need government help. We need this. We need that. And I said, you don't need none of that nearly as much as you need to be born again by the grace of God. Amen. And can I tell you, a lot of them Indian people had a couple of them walk forward and get saved and said, this is what we needed was to trust Christ as our Savior. And can I tell you, we don't, they don't necessarily need a government program nearly as much as they need God's program. And God's program is the church. I grew up in Metro Atlanta and I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a, a typical family. And uh, can I tell you today that 
that, uh, that I was a broken kid. I got out in the world at, at an early age and I started just living out in the world and man, just going to the concerts and going to the music and, and trying to, trying to live just a, a, a life that I was, I was taught to live. And can I tell you that that road took me down. I went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and I fell amongst thieves. Can I tell you today, sin is ugly. Sin is ugly. The world is not where you want to be. Sin is ugly. Sin is awful. And can I tell you, the devil's spending millions and billions of dollars every day trying to put TV programs out, trying to convince young people that sin is cool, that sin is amazing, and sin is worth it. Can I tell you, that's not how it works. Sin will destroy you. It'll rob you. It'll ruin your life and leave you half dead on the side of the road. Amen. And can I tell you today, when I was 18 years old, I was mad at the world. I hated everybody, and I thought everybody hated me. I was an angry teenager. I was upset all the time, and I was, I was just, I mean, I was trying my best to deal with that the best I could, and I thought everybody in the world hated me. I'd go to school, my teachers yelling at me. I'd go to the locker rooms, the guys in the locker room yelling at me. I'd get out on the football field, they'd yell at me, and I'm going to tell you something, I was mad at the world, and I was a broken-hearted teenager. I was messed up. I thought everybody was against me and after me. And I had a bad attitude and I was upset. Uh, But can I tell you, I got to a point where I just said, I'm sick of this. And I just hate my life and I just don't like it. And can I tell you, that kind of lifestyle will take you down that road. And you'll get to the end of your rope and you'll think, man, this ain't nothing like what I thought it was. I see a lot of teenagers getting out of church and going off. They, they, They walk across the platform and get their Christian high school diploma. And then they go out in the world and they come back back at 22, 23, 24 year old with marks on their bodies and holes in their head and they come back with tears in their eyes saying that ain't what I thought it was. You better listen to me. You better listen to me. It ain't what you think it is. Can I tell you, I see a lot of young ladies walk across the platform, get a Christian school diploma, go out and come back with a couple babies saying that wasn't what I thought it was. Y'all got quiet on me on that one. Y'all Okay. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, listen, going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, the thieves always come, they always steal, they always rob, they always maim, and they leave you half dead on the side of the road. And I was a brokenhearted teenager. I I I just didn't think life was, was, was that awesome anymore. But can I tell you, I met a Samaritan man. (laughs) Came by my way, named Jesus Christ, through the local church at Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Swanee, Georgia. Brother Gary Hopkins and Brother David Garrett came to me and told me how to be saved. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah to God. And I got on my knees and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was born again and my sins were washed away. And it was under the blood. And I was forgiven and my burden was lifted and can I tell you it was almost like spiritually I could feel the oil and wine being poured in my wounds and I was bound up and I started going to church God put me in that local inn the Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Swanee Georgia and I started getting some healing coming my way thank God I remember the very first Sunday I went to church I didn't own a suit and tie I didn't own one. We never, I mean, listen, if we, had, if we went to an occasion where it required a suit and tie in my family, we just rented, rented the thing and then we gave it back to the rental store. That's what we did. Amen. 
My daddy was an auto mechanic. We were a blue-collar family. We did, we, all we did was football, motocross, and that's all we did. And that didn't require a shirt and tie. And so we didn't ever invest any money in that kind of stuff. So the very first Sunday I went to church, I, I went through my closet. And I, I mean, I had T-shirts hanging up. And I thought, I can't wear that shirt. That one, that one says Pearl Jam on it. I can't wear that shirt. That thing says Metallica. I can't wear that thing. And, uh, and I finally went through my clothes. And I found a gray T-shirt with a blue stripe across it. And I said, okay, that's my Sunday best. Amen. And I went to church with that and, and just a pair. I didn't have any khakis. You know, these pleated khaki things with that line. And I don't even know how they put that line in these pants, y'all. But uh, to this day, that baffles me. But I went and got me a pair of them cargo pants and, and, uh, and wore those to church. And, uh, and, and I thought, well, that's my Sunday best. And I got up and went and sat in that church. And they, them ushers... When I showed up, them ushers hugged me. I've never had anybody really hug me like that before. And them ushers hugged me, and I had a millionaire in the church. Came up and hugged me and said, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here, and I love you. Thank God I heard you got saved Monday night. And I was, I mean, I was the maniac on the football team. I was the guy that if they wanted to put a guy out of the game, they said, Spencer, go take number 66 out. And I said, yes, sir. And I wanted to kill everybody. I wanted everybody to die. Now all of a sudden I walked in church, everybody's hugging on me. I didn't know what to think of that. Weird. And I couldn't believe it. But I got up there and I sat and they, they, they escorted me to the front because apparently that's what they thought. They said, they said, this sinner boy needs to hear about Jesus from the preacher. And they sat me in the second pew and that preacher got up and he preached against everything that moved. I'm talking about he was against everything. I mean, he, he got up and he preached against, I mean, uh, chrome on cars, cat teeth, argyle socks, toupees. He preached against the color yellow. I mean, he preached against everything. He said, he pre- I mean, he preached, he preached against sin, against immorality. Morality. He preached against things that were maybe could look like immorality. I mean, he preached against drinking liquor, rock and roll. He preached against country music. He preached against rap music. He preached against contemporary Christian music. He preached against contemporary Christian music. He preached against contemporary Christian music. He got there and said, these bunch of religious weirdos getting up there going, Whoa, for Jesus. He said, they're messed up. And I thought, what is wrong with this old man? He's angry. I thought, yeah, when they get to a certain age, they get real cantankerous. I said, he must be in that stage of life. Amen. I didn't understand what he was. But he started preaching against stuff that I was doing. And I thought to myself, who he been talking to? I mean, I thought this man had been working with the FBI. I mean, he'd been following me and chasing me around. And can I tell you that he started preaching against everything and just started doing all kinds of stuff. And can I tell you, after a while, God started changing my life and God started healing my wounds and God started rubbing in the salve. He'd preach about Jesus and the Son of God and how Jesus loved me so much that he died for me on the cross of Calvary. He'd preach that love lifted me. He preached, I mean, all kinds of wonderful stuff. And after a while, I wasn't an angry teenager no more. After a while, I wasn't nearly as bitter as I was anymore. After a while, God started to change my heart and God started to change my life and people couldn't really understand, but Spencer was different. Hallelujah to God. Can I tell you, God made me a new man when I got saved. Glory to God. 
It's a place of restoration. And I, I try to act like Preston Moore sometimes, the old preacher. I mean, sometimes I'll get in a place and I'll just preach against all kinds of stuff just to make people mad. Amen. Just to get up. I, I preached against Winnie the Pooh not too long ago. Amen. That was really awesome. That didn't go over very well, but it was all right. But I preached against that and I said, I'm against Winnie the Pooh and I'm against Piglet. I said, I don't know what Piglet is, but he's scaring me. Piglet needs to get my, he needs to man up. He needs a squat rack. And it didn't really go over real well. Amen. That I preached against everything at that place. And can I tell you, that I tell you, I, I, I'm telling you, God changed my life at the local inn. And can I tell you that the Bible says also he took him to the end. And he, verse 34, at the end of that it says, and took care of him. <laughs> and can I tell you that ever since I got saved, Jesus has been taking care of me along the way. Amen. And it's been exciting. So the, the church is a place of restoration. Uh, can I say that people can get help from their sin and get helped out of their sin if they can get into the end. Can I tell you today, every town needs an end. Every town needs a local church. Every town needs a preacher in a local church taking care and preaching against sin and helping bind up the broken heart. As a matter of fact, I need to show this to you. This is speaking to my heart. I'm telling you, God, this is burning in my soul like a fire in my bones. Go to Isaiah chapter 61. This is something that I believe God has called me to do, and I want to try to do a better job of it if God will help me. Isaiah 61 says this. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I love the Bible. The Bible's better than any Rambo movie I've ever seen in my life. Amen. And I tell you today, Isaiah chapter 61, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. <laughs> That's what I was. Amen. God sent a preacher to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Can I tell you all of that, all of that is done when somebody preaches the gospel and people get born again. All of that's done when that happens right there. Thank God in heaven for that. Can I tell you today that uh, we're going to make a missions application here. There's a town right north of Nairobi that we started working in called Mananja. And Mananja was a town that was filled with drunks. They had uh, something similar to a moonshine industry up there where they would ferment things and they would make liquor. And I'm talking about I saw six and seven and eight-year-old kids drunk out of their mind up in the hills of Mananja. They said that witchcraft was very, very prominent in Mananja. And uh, we started working. And we went up there one of my very first trips, me and uh, Wendell Runyon and Richard Smith and Oliver Areza went up into the mountains of Mananja and we preached an open air meeting out there and uh, wouldn't you know it the whole town the whole village came out there was hundreds of people standing there and uh, brother Oliver Reza got up and preached the gospel and tried to tell them that Jesus would save them from their sin and that very day we saw we gave an invitation and I saw a very very small drunk young man did not walk forward during the invitation he crawled forward 
forward during the invitation, came forward and he came at our feet and we tried to talk to him. And I said, what's your name? And he told me and he said, I said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 18 years old. And I said, well, what's wrong with you? He said, I've been drunk every day of my life since I was 10 years old. He said, I need help. Can somebody help me? He said, and he cried and looked at me and he said, can Jesus help me? And I said, I think he can. And I said, "Uh, why don't we get somebody to deal with you? We prayed with him and he stood up and he said, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's done something in my heart. And we we went home and came back the very next year. And this tall, handsome, good, clean-looking, 19-year-old black African man walked up to me and said, Brother Spencer? I said, yes. He said, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't have no idea who you are. He goes, do you remember that drunk little kid that came forward last year that cried on your feet and said, can Jesus help me? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, where is he? He He goes, he is me. And I said, wow, glory to God. Can I tell you what God did? God restored that man. God changed his life. God changed his life. And God did it in the end. The local church that we started up there. I could go on and on and on. Talk about the Sierra Outreach Baptist Church. The one we just started out in western Kenya. Where there's a bunch of cults and strange rituals going on. And people are dying in their sin. Sierra Outreach Baptist Church is the only Baptist church. uh, The only gospel preaching church of any kind. Within the 75 mile radius of that place. And there's cults. And there's Catholicism. And there's sin everywhere. Basically there's Levites and priests everywhere. And there's a bunch of nonsense not going to help nobody but I'm going to tell you today we need an inn in that place and we started one and people are getting saved out in that area can I tell you the church is a place of restoration I must hasten on because some of you aren't listening anymore and that's okay amen all right can I tell you real fast I need another vote of confidence. Can y'all give me a vote? Of, how many give me five more minutes to preach? All right, five more minutes. Anybody here today? All right, praise God. Nobody in this section. That's all right. I'll remember that. I'll remember that, y'all. Hallelujah to God. Amen. Can I tell you, the church is a place of restoration. Let me say number two, this church is a place of return. <laughs> Look what it says in verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest, notice this phrase, when I come again. When I come again, can I tell you today that Jesus is coming again and he's coming again for the end. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, let me read a passage of scripture here uh, to you in John chapter 14. If I, if I can, I want to try to read it to you. I, I'm working on trying to quote this, but I, I want to be able to read this to you. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and uh, verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can I tell you that Jesus is coming again? He said, I'm preparing a place for you and when I come again, hallelujah to God, I'm glad that Jesus is coming again and when he comes again, Brother Steve Cavanaugh can have the service. Amen. Hallelujah. That'll be wonderful. 
Acts chapter 1 says this in verse number 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, two, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come, so, so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Can I tell you, even the angels said that he was coming again. And let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I want you to see this as well. Uh, 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter number 4, the Bible says in verse number 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Thank God. I'm glad today that Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah to God. And when he comes, he's going he's gonna to take me and take me home and I won't have to worry about another battle anymore. I won't have to worry about another fight anymore. I won't have to worry about another flat tire, another broken transmission, another uh, another another health issue. I won't have to worry about none of that ever again. I'm glad that Jesus Christ is coming again to get me. Hallelujah to God. Let me say all is a place of return. And let me say this also, God placed me in the end. He made me of his kin. He forgave me of my sin. He put his spirit within. And one day he's a coming again. Hallelujah to God. Amen. I'm glad for that, that he's coming again. Glory to God. That excites me. It doesn't excite a lot of Baptists or Presbyterians, but it excites me. Amen. Thank God for his second coming. But this is what I want to say to you also tonight about the local inn. It's a place of restoration. It's a place of return, but can I say also, it's a place of rewards. Look what it says here. He said to the host of the inn in verse 35, take care of him. Are you taking care of sinners today? What are you doing to take care of these people? Take care of him. And notice this right here. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. When we talk about missions, I think lots of times we get the idea and the attitude that, oh my goodness, what is this preacher going to try to squeeze out of me this year? <laughs> and it's not that way. It really isn't. If you think it's that way, it ain't that way. I'm trying to tell you, it ain't that way. Missions is not that way. Can I tell you, I'm not interested in how much you have in savings. I'm asking you, how much do you have in souls? I don't care how much you got money. I want to know how much you got in missions. Can I tell you today that when Jesus comes again, He will repay all that. So the truth is, when you put money into missions, you're keeping that money. You ain't losing none of it. You're keeping it. And the truth is, at the end of the road, all that you're going to have is what you gave away. Can I tell you, I, I was preaching at a church in Kansas and I was talking about the need for a conference we needed to have. And, uh, and uh, the pastor, that the church took an offering and gave, gave it to the conference. And, uh, and uh, a pastor came up to me. He said, Spencer, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. He said, he said we got a young couple in our church that wrote a check and he, he told me the amount. It was about $500. He said, man, I, I know that they don't have that. I, he said, I know. I can't believe that they gave that. He said, man, that was exciting for me to see that. And I told him this. I said, really, the truth is they put that into a safety deposit box. And when he comes again, 
He's going to pay it back. Amen. Can I tell you today that uh, when you give to the work of God and give towards getting people in the end and give towards taking care of sinners and you give towards reaching people with the gospel, when you give towards that, you're actually keeping it. It ain't going nowhere. It's a good investment. And by the way, it's not, it's not an offering. Really, it is an investment today. And so that's the question. That's the challenge tonight. How much do you have and how much are you spending in the end? We got our money tied up in all kinds of... I know people that are in debt up their eyeballs. Four-wheelers and bass boats and, and credit cards and cell phones and all this kind of... I mean, they got their money so maxed out in everything of this world. Can I tell you today, what do you have that you're spending in the end to take care of Him and people so they can be born again? Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for this easy preaching crowd. Thank you so much for this good church, these solid people. Lord, I pray tonight, oh God, that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, that you'd challenge hearts to do right, to live right, and to be right. And help us, oh God, to be like the Good Samaritan, going out reaching people and spending our days trying to, trying to help folks get in the end. And so 